0: Good morning, everyone. Blood, talk, good, morning. Radio. good morning, everyone. Welcome to America's Community Voices Network. My name is Ronald Brookins. I'm here with my co-host, Donald Brookins. And we have today as our special guest, Attorney Delano S. Stewart. Good morning, Mr. St- Attorney Stewart. How are good you today? Good morning.
1: Bro? Good morning, young man. How are you all doing? We're doing,
0: doing great. good. Our subject great. today is... Our subject today is the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in Tampa, Florida, and we chose as our special guest Attorney Delano Stewart because he has uh, practiced law in our community for close to fifty years, if I'm not, if I'm correct. I think I am. You're correct.
1: Six June of fifty.
0: Wow, that's that's a long time. But what we want to focus on is is, is, is is as a result of the recent attention to Dr. King, the movie of Selma, we wanted to look at. How has things changed in our country, and particularly in our own community, as it relates to race relations and success of uh, African Americans in terms of being able to be elected to office, in terms of uh, professional uh, successes and and where those successes are are, are at, and we want to identify how we got there. So, Attorney Stewart, before we start with anything, the first question I want to ask is, how did you become Attorney Delano Stewart?
1: Well, you know, I, I, I'm a graduate of Morehouse, and uh, I uh, really, my mother, father, uh, and my grandmama, Carrie Grimm, who knew your uh, mother and father and, and your daddy, my Uncle Richard, all of my life I had been told that I was going to be a lawyer. I had a temperament, and one of the great intrigues of that, when I was in the military, even though I was young and not an officer, Everybody always sought my advice. So throughout my life, people always thought that I had uh, the ability to solve problems. And so consequently, when I was deciding what I would do with my life, and I thought about the ministry, I thought about social work, I thought about psychology. But one thing, because I was a student of power and I was a political science major, I recognized one thing, that as a lawyer, then you implement all of those laws, rules, and regulations that can control society. So I thought that throughout all of the things that I could do as a lawyer, I could have impact because if I filed a complaint, it was $12 when I began, I could sue any entity, whether it was governmental, whether it was a major corporation, whether it was Morris Brothers, Dillard's, uh Eastern Airlines, who's going under now. But so... A lawyer has the power to change through going in a court and bringing forth and setting forth uh what he believes to be theorists under the rules and regulations of the Constitution of the United States, and that's how I became a lawyer. And uh, I am happy uh, to have been a lawyer because I don't. You before your time, that was a young man when I first started practicing, who was a student out at USF and who was very brilliant and who was tried uh, 17 times. I defended him and acquitted him all those times, but he never was a criminal. And what one has to understand, that people in power criminalize those who are trying to take their power. They will come up with something and say that you did wrong, because if you're trying to keep yourself out of prison, that takes your energies away from your struggle as it did with King. He was put in jail, uh, just as Otha was, who is now uh, a skilled Muhammad. So as a lawyer, we understand those things, and that is why Barack Obama became president, because he understood the totality of how this system works. And before I move one further, uh, you and I, and you and I have been discussing since you all were little boys, Power and money are Siamese twins. Uh, If you got one, you got the other. If you got the other, you got the other. And throughout history, uh, men who have wealth have power, and men who have power have wealth. And what we have to do and what Martin was trying to do, if you have this marvelous Constitution and if you pledge allegiance every day, the United States of America, to the Republicans is say with liberty and justice for all, make it mean what it says in the daily lives of every citizen. And that's what Martin Luther King was about. And that is what we ought to be about. And that's what Barack Obama is about. Now, uh, Martin, being the minister that he was and a theologian, started uh, and understood Gandhi, and he understood the approach of passive resistance. That was very difficult for me to swallow. So when I got out of the service and got back into the movement, I had just taken off a uniform where I was willing to fight and die for democracy, and now you have to use passive resistance. That means you're going to let people expect to wait on you, beat you, uh, and, and, and you don't fight back. And that was a hard sell. In all honesty, I participated on the periphery of the uh, of the right, the civil rights movement, and when all the students were protesting, because I did not want to believe. uh, And passive resistance uh, requires more than I could give it. And uh, like I said, I just gotten out the military, so. I wrote and did other things, but I did not, because I, I I wanted to fight back. And I think that Martin's approach was correct because it would have been a bloodbath which this country never would have recovered from by using passive resistance. But you got to resist and you got to keep fighting, and you have to identify as you all are doing today, that which is ill in society and that which must be corrected. And uh, being part of the civil rights movement all of my life, I, I'd like to take you back even before Martin. Thurgood Marshall was in Tampa uh, working on, and this must have been either forty-nine or fifty, salary equalization. And uh, and uh, my mother's friend Hilda Turner, who has a school named after now, Hilda wanted to be paid the same amount of money as white teachers were being paid. So, but then uh, uh, Harry Moore, Harry T. Moore, was here meeting with her and doing civil rights uh, voter registration because blacks uh, were beginning to implement vote, even though they had the white primary, which wasn't removed for 48. But that was when he was killed. Uh, that was when Harry T. Moore and his wife were killed. And so now, so my civil rights uh, environment was there uh, in that home because Harry T. Moore was a principal and a friend of my dad and my mama, and as I said, Hilda Smith, who had gotten Thurgood to implement this lawsuit for Sarah equalization. So all of these things really are about freedom and equality. So the civil rights and and Martin's uh, ability to come out in the street was saying. To America, you have espoused the doctrine of freedom, but you have not implemented it. So we as a nation, and uh, I I was in law school when I went to the march on Washington. And uh, what I've never got in '63, there were no cable stations. ABC, CBS, and NBC predicted the failure. And notwithstanding that, I got a bus and didn't have a car. And when I got off of that bus, I, I think it was the first religious experience I ever heard because you're down because you've heard all of the newscasters cast doubt on what this movement could accomplish. And then when I got off that bus, the echo of Mahalia Jackson singing from the Lincoln Memorial, chill broke out all over me. And I knew that that was a God touched day. Uh, way, a, a hour, two hours before I ever heard the speech, I have a dream, and, and 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 so I have been caught up in the movement all of my life. And what Martin did was solidify what we were attempting to do. And you know, I I, I was speaking at a friend of mine's funeral. Uh, We talk about rams in the bush. Abraham goes up, and his faith makes him going to sacrifice his son because he believes in God. But uh, God had the ram in the bush. So now when Rosa Parks stood up in Montgomery, Alabama, she had no idea that this young preacher who was coming to town was her ram in the bush. He was there to lead the civil rights movement. And I've always thought of that uh, parallelism uh and then uh the 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 Dexter Avenue Baptist Church the King took over had been uh passed by uh if you read the The Parting of the Waters, which really is uh the king years that Taylor brass got the pute the surprise. Uh, those three books talk about the movement and intricate political details of what occurred between the president martin and the and all of the southern governors and then and it's when you see the interplay between power wealth and goodness and uh what this movement is all about and, and and you have to con- realize that you never ever can solve all the problems because the moment the Civil Rights Bill was passed, and I, I was a freshman in college when Brown was decided. And my first uh, law partner, S.J. Kenneth Rogers, who was a uh, native of Hillsborough County, granddaddy for, uh, was uh, one of the founders of uh, a Central Life Insurance Company. And his son, who was a $5 billion cap in Nebraska-Western, top 10%, and I was in this room, and they were talking about the impact of Brown on America. And Brown and the civil rights movement and Martin's life are all intertwined. But what was intriguing to me, or the other thing they said, uh, you know, the decision with deliberate speed in 1972, now this was in 54 when that case was decided, I was appointed by a federal judge, Judge Crispin. To implement the uh, ruling in Brown, and how many years later is that? So delivery speed, and and so what? All of us got to understand what is said and what is done are two different things. So Martin wanted to say to this country and did say to this country the espousals that you have in the Constitution are rhetorical and not reality. And so the Civil Rights Movement, Martin, the I Have a Dream, the movement, Selma, all of those things and Obama becoming president are man's will to be better and to make what we say in this constitutional body that covers us to have meaning to every citizen. You know, uh, and, and, and I say so many times, uh, black people were not fools, but you go to school all day, you pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the Republic of which it says, one nation under God, with liberty and justice for all, and then go get on the back of the bus. Uh, you cannot use restrooms when you travel. Even when you're in the military, I got on the Air Force uniform coming from basic training, and a imaginary line bus driver say, all right, boy, you stop talking to these white soldiers and get to the back of the bus, and I'm getting ready to go overseas to die for my country. That is almost schizophrenic kind of behavior
0: for you to hear one thing and do another. So, Attorney Stewart. Yes, sir. You're giving us a broad view. Uh, Broad view, right. Uh, Let's talk about... Here in Tampa. And the reason why I want to do that, because one of the things that astounds me is that many of our young people don't have any idea of uh, what the sacrifices were and how much was put into making and changing life here, our everyday lives here in the Tampa Bay area. And
1: I want to go right to that. I, I looked at the Central, uh this morning. The uh, Tampa Organization on Black Affairs is 35 years of age. Mm-hmm. I was, at that time, the first black elected to the Hillsborough County Board of Directors. And I said at a meeting, uh, Judge Gasparcola, who was at that time uh, the chief judge of this district, and I said to the committee, we are intelligent and we know these rules are wrong, and we ought to be uh, implementing a day to celebrate Martin's life because he did so much. And that was a person who, uh, who I almost got in a fight because he called uh, Martin a communist and a troublemaker. Uh, what it did, it brought us a sense of our entitlement. And, and when I say our sense of entitlement, you are never in your life exempted from any. Taxes, you go in the store, you pay sales taxes. And October 30th, they're going to assess your property taxes. April the 15th, you're going to pay your income taxes. So if America gives you every burden, shouldn't you demand the benefits? So what we had done in Tampa throughout this nation, we organized, we registered to vote, and we fought to make all of these freedoms what we want them to be. Uh, I I I want to go back to Tuesday of this year up in Putnam County, which is adjacent to Tavares where uh, McCall raised hit, and the pewter Prize pies uh, book last year was Devil in the Grove because Sheriff McCall was a bigoted racist who ran the Klan out of Central Florida and you had to fight him and a young black man became the mayor of Putnam County and he has investiture uh the fifth day of January this year. Uh so the the struggle is still on and it is not gonna be over. It it means that uh we started running for office, uh then we had So uh, that is what happened, uh, Ronald. Uh, the uh, movement will be on forever. So uh, we had uh, Francisco Rodriguez, who was a lawyer of my former law partner. He ran for office. And then uh, when uh, Reuben Padgett, we, they had a, Reuben Padgett running for county commissioner. So then there that, that was this fight about districts. Uh, I implemented, uh, along with Martin Lawyer, in 1972, a suit uh, saying that the elections here were discriminatory because of the fact that, uh, for instance, uh, Lloyd Copeland represented District 5, which really uh, was citywide, And what you would find to be interesting, that when I ran against him, I won ninety nine percent of every of the precincts that he represented. But where you lose when you get outside of your district. So we went the districting to make it fair. Do you understand what I'm saying?
0: I understand exactly what you're
1: saying. And and, and I, I. I, I resented districts, but the reality, it is a compromise you had to have because people still are not fair. You, you know, and the reason you know they're not fair, President says, Richard Wilson, wanted a comprehensive medical program. Uh, uh, we get it, and now it becomes Obamacare. What they have done is they tried to niggerize it because it wouldn't have been Clinton care, it wouldn't have been Romney care, It wouldn't have been Goldwater care. It wouldn't have been anybody's care. And the reason they've done that is because of the fact they want to kill it and nullify it.
0: Do you think that, really, uh, African Americans, young African Americans, as well as many moderate whites understand what this is and what they're trying to do as it relates to trying to make uh, President Obama's presidency uh, count only as an asterisk that he wasn't really president uh, well uh, uh, the,
1: uh, unfortunately when you deal with power and people uh, people can nullify you I mean when you think about the, when you look at the movie Selma and uh, when Selma occurred I remember very vividly because I just gotten out of law school and I was working with Senator Leroy Collins who had been the governor of this state and who was moderate and who Lyndon Johnson had appointed to go to Selma so to kind of minimize the impact uh, that it was having. But these people would kill you to keep their power. On one hand, they're telling you you are an American, and you are entitled to it, and they tax you, and, 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 and they drafted you, and you fight for this country, and yet you're denied the benefits of all citizenship. And that is what is wrong. And what, uh, what occurred for World War Two, people go all over the world and fight for America and come back, and they are not going to be tolerant of that. And if this country does not change, because that elects election, not Dixiecrats, but Dixie Crackers, these people who are saying, you are not white, and therefore you're not entitled to what I'm entitled to. And that will destroy this country if it doesn't stop.
0: But but but, but turn us to it. Isn't time running out for that point of view? I mean, because well,
1: it it, 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 it might be running out,
0: Donald. And Ronald,
1: I am fearful that if it does not change, that we will have another civil war that will be liberals. Because listen, when when Putnam, who is your commissioner of agriculture. Talks about the implementation of Obamacare as that we are foreigners. I am not a foreigner. I was born, raised, bled for this country and will die for it. And I don't have to have a uniform farm on to die for the release that I have in the Constitution. And this is what, and so now, but we got to teach black people it is not free. You got to register, you got to vote, and you may have to bleed for freedom.
0: But, you know, Dale, here's the thing that bothers me. I think all this has to do with, with, with uh, um, the the idea of denying certain groups uh, rights. I think it has to do with uh, they don't mind you having access to health care as long as you're not African-American, as long as you're not a Latino or an immigrant, as long as you're not gay, uh, lesbian, or transgender. So they're trying to eliminate those three groups. Well, okay. well,
1: you're at, well what happens, the, the thing that's intriguing to me is about uh, the paradox of brainwashing. A, a poor white person, you had a father who's a doctor, you got a brother who's a doctor, you and your brother with the FSU. But a white man who has never seen a school thinks he's superior to you. And this is said to him by people like Cruz, uh, like Rubio, like the governor of Texas, who feeds the ignorant mentality to maintain power.
0: But, but That's all is, it's
1: about.
0: Uh, uh, like Scott to, did, huh? My point of trying to do is this. One of the things that we realized after President Obama was elected the second time was was they threw everything they, uh, they could at him, at the and, law and, 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 uh,
1: and raised all the money yes. and tried to whip him. And they were not whipping him because of policy. They were whipping him because of his color. But I'll tell you what. Well, I mean, Donald Trump is a rich, ignorant man. And he, has a, and he has a radio program. And somewhere we must learn to separate money from intellectuality and what's good
0: and we haven't that not done a, that yet but that the election of uh, President Obama the second time to me was much more even more important than the first election because of course it had, was every, they had every advantage in the world and by all rights Romney should have won that election but guess what President Obama's organization out organized them and people get people got up and they came out and vote because you know what They hate everybody. And once you start hating everybody, all that's left is you. Their group is very small in this country. And it's them against everybody else. And every year, their point of view becomes smaller and smaller. And smaller and smaller. Listen, the tragedy
1: of it is that there are those people who will hold on to whiteness and believe that if it were not for whiteness, America couldn't exist And that is going to be shown to be absolute absurdity. And that's what we have to keep fighting against, because there are those people who will utilize any methodology to maintain power.
0: Well, what, what, what do we do about, Dale? What do we do about those people who don't get up to vote in off elections, those people who are, I believe there's a silent majority out there, that that's not speaking up, that's not coming to the polls when they need to, that's not showing up when they need to, and allowing these other people on the fringes of the left or the right to voice their opinions and be the voice that's heard.
1: Well, you are absolutely correct. Uh, and what I have known for a long time, are you, when you're in a struggle like you are and I are for the, Equalization of rights. It is not ever ending. And uh, those persons who did not participate in the last election forfeited the right and abdicated this country back to the very thing that uh, Martin and you and your daddy and your brother and I have been trying to defeat. Because when you do not go to the polls and participate, then you give up your power. And this is a participatory democracy. And when you don't vote, then you have abandoned your participatory portion, and which is a duty that you really have.
0: So, turning Stewart, we got about three and a half minutes left. So I want to summarize a little bit because obviously this is not enough time. And I'm hoping that uh, sometime down the line, when you get back together again and discuss this in more detail, tell us what can we do? What are some of the practical things that we can do? Begin the process. Well, uh, it's a, a uh, disgrace uh, that Rick Scott was, was elected. Rick Scott should have never been elected. Alice Saint should have beat him, and so should uh, so the so social Charlie have beat him also. Yeah. Well, here here
1: here's the thing. We got to go back to the original drawing board, and 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 people get tired. I'm gonna be eighty on my birthday, and I've been doing this all my life, but you cannot get tired Cause, I mean you you can go back to the crucifixion of Christ. Christ was not crucified other than for power. He is destroying uh, the, the, the system as men knew it. I mean, what the Romans were doing, uh, and he is talking goodness. So they crucify him because man will crucify and kill you to maintain his power. You saw it in Selma. You saw what happened on Bloody Sunday, these people who were the keepers of the law beat people, bludgeoned them, shot them to keep them from participating in a country that had promised equality. Now, isn't that what happened? Yes. And what happens to those who are younger and who are not trained, we have an obligation and a duty to keep pushing and it is difficult because what has happened now, there are black people who do not trust black people, and we are utilizing the wrong people to lead us. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with Beyonce and J.C., not Drake, uh, Lil Wayne, but they don't lead the country and they can't free the You have to have trained intellectual men like Barack Obama, your Attorney General Holder, uh, notwithstanding what they say about Reverend Jackson, Jackson, you, your dad, you, your brothers, we got to continue fighting. We got to continue teaching, and you cannot get tired of doing
0: it. Well, Dale, I've been and enjoyed I'm tired, but you can't
1: be tired.
0: I've enjoyed this conversation, and I hope the next time we get together, I want to discuss disparities because I think that's playing a major part in what's going on. It, does, it certainly week. does. It certainly does. You, anytime
1: well, I can, I, uh, I'm i sorry that we, we had to do this very complicated uh, subject in a short period of time. We need more time, and you all stay in contact, and I'll do everything that I can until I go to my grave attempting to be free and fair. Because so that's what America really stands for.
0: I guess today has been Attorney Delano S. Stewart. He has practiced for almost 50 years in this community, but even more than that, He's been a patriarch of social and legal change in our community, and we certainly appreciate him joining us. Thank you for joining us today. Uh,
1: uh, Thank you for having me.
0: All right. Goodbye, sir.